I don't know that we know kind of doubt it I know it's true to any extent of the blissful presence of the Lord near but we must keep looking and praying seeking and striving for that divine majesty once again to be back in his house and folk I'm not going to I'm not making any excuses uh, no matter how it turns out this morning and what I attempt to, to say God can take a feeble effort and bless it or he can take a great effort and let it pass by unheeded so I'm not making any excuses <clears throat> but I will tell you this that I've been up more this morning than any day this week tried yesterday morning to get get somewhere and was unable to mentally, physically. So all I came with this morning were, were a couple of little scratch pads of, of previous things jotted down when I was capable and had a clear mind, somewhat a clear mind. So being here is is due to the prayers of the Lord's people and the goodness of God in enabling me to do so. Now I can only hope, pray, trust that the Lord will make it beneficial to your heart. We've had enough religious services to last us for the rest of our lives. That's not what we need. We need an encounter with the living Lord. And so I ask you to turn to Revelation 4. I don't want you to get caught up in the beast and all these things, but I want you to, and any time you want to read the Revelation, if you'll always come with this, number one, it is the Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him throughout. The only thing you'll find in here, Christ, His church, the harlot, and the beast. We'll be looking for these big bad booger bears where 
folk try to impress everybody with this is what that stands for or the other. Everything here carries us back to the Lord Jesus. Everything. To you, His church, if you belong in that. So I want you to consider only that. Probably won't read, but three verses to you. Four. First two and the last two. And everything in between that has to do with the first two and the last two, and you can read it later on. But before we read, would you would you bow with me? Our Father Grace has been provided and mercy for these for us to assemble. I know we take so much for granted. But now, Father, we come asking of Thee an awareness, a realized sense within. I am before God this day, here in a special way, And whether that is sensed or felt or not, it is still true. We are before Thee. This is Thy house. It is given for Thy worship, Thy honor and glory, for the edification of Thy children. And hopefully, the calling out to these that might not know thee, little ones, have mercy, O God, not only upon them, but all of us, and give sufficient help to the preacher in here this day, for thy honor. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Verse number one. I guess the disciple that knew more was the closest, oft referred to himself as that disciple whom Jesus loved, never called his name in his writings there in the fourth gospel. Followed him all the way to the cross. And he's the one that was exiled. Most folk would think, well, that's not a deserving fate for one that loved the Lord Jesus. 
And we say it was because Christ had greater things for him here than he would have ever obtained had he not been exiled to the Isle of Patmos. So here in the fourth chapter, after Christ has given him the letters to the seven churches, you got John now. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Before, before we get on in, into any of this, I remind you that scarcely do any of us trace our spiritual delights, our joys, hopefully our sweet fellowship with the Lord and with His children, the richness of His grace to us, His goodness and His mercy. Scarce it is that we trace it to the poverty to the toll and the self-sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Second Corinthians 8 and 9, Though he were rich, yet for your sake he became poor. How is it that I will be made rich, that you through his poverty might be made rich. Too oft all of us are like the child on Christmas morning. We get so excited about the gifts that we never think, and I guess it's not feasible to use this kind of language today because everybody's making plenty of money. But we get so excited about the gifts, we never think of the overtime or the extra hours or the greater effort that our parents spent trying to get these things. We're just interested in toys, what we get. Now we understand that to be so in the natural realm, and it is so in the spiritual realm. We're always looking to obtain from the Lord Jesus not not tracing that which we get to the great cost. His tender mercies are fresh every morning to you. And all of us a self-centered, selfish, wandering child from our Father's house, spending all unrighteous living, with no concern. If I get back to my father's house, he's going to have to pay my debt. Little concern that as you sit here this morning, you sit a rebel subdued, a thief pardoned, a child adopted. 
a wayward son being restored, an anointed priest able to enter into the holy place, all of that. And more than I have time to spend upon this morning, all of that comes from the Lord of glory, from the King, your Creator, becoming incarnate man. All man, flesh and blood just like you. He came that he might raise you to an unimaginable height. All because he went to an unimaginable depth. Yet it's just about me. In most places. God has given you the sweet cup to drink of heaven's bounties because the Son of Man drank the bitter cup. You've got friends, kind friends. You've got a loving family, love expressed, kindness expressed, everything that is given to you. Everything, roof over your head, a dollar bill in your pocket, to the physical energy and ability to go work and maintain somewhat of, of a comfortable living. All of that, all of it comes from his poverty. You're sitting with your family He had none. I doubt that his mother, after after he was 30 and entered into his public ministry, I doubt that his mother rarely saw him or knew where he was. Oh, she went at times. One come, your mother and your brothers are out there. But he was so devoted to the will of his father. He said, my mother and my brothers, my sisters are those that do the will of God. You got a place to protect you from the harsh winter, the rain falling now, the heat of summer. You've got all that. He had no place. To lay his hand. Boxes have dens and holes in which they can in which they can enter into the winter months. The son of man had no place. Birds have nests. Son of man had no place. All of it that you enjoy is obtained from his poverty. Now here's John. Come up hither. Let me show you. Let me talk to you about the church, my throne, and me on that throne. Verse number two, and immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. 
I said the verse two verses, verse three. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne, a rainbow. Now the rainbows you go out and and see they they have a beginning point and they have an ending point. Not this one. Because a rainbow, a rainbow is a reflection of the mercy of God. Every time one appears in the sky, it's God saying to his children, I won't ever again destroy the world by flood. So you got the mercy surrounding, circling the one on, on the throne inside likened to and emerald. Verse number 10. And four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth. That's the church. Worship him that liveth forever and ever. And cast their crowns before the throne. If you go back and read the verses I've skipped, you'll find that the, that the church has crowns on their head. Now they cast them before the throne. Now I'll just title it, Thou Art Worthy, O Lord. But I'd like for you to keep in mind that the whole title of it will be to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created I've, I've read to you in time past part of McShane's hymn I'm sure he did not write it as a hymn but if you ever hear the word Robert McShane, old Scotland, born in 1813 or thereabouts, lived 29 years. But if you ever hear about him, you'll always, anybody ever writes, wrote about him, it was always Holy McShane. Got his work over in 29 years. But in his time, short time in the ministry there, one of the one of the poems he wrote was When this passing world is done, when has sunk yon glaring sun, when we stand with Christ in glory looking over life's finished story, then shall I fully know. Not till then, how much I owe. When I stand before the throne, dressed in beauty not my own. When I see thee as thou art, and love thee with an unsinning heart. Then, Lord, shall I fully know. Not till then, how much I owe. You can't grasp. You can't comprehend. 
It's incomprehensible how much we owe. Now the verses that I would like for you to look at, very familiar to you. Matthew 26. Christ is beginning to feel the weight, the guilt, the condemnation, the awful sentence and judgment of God against sin, for which he is not guilty, but for you he took your sins. Not till then will I know how much I fully owe. Matthew 26, 38, 39. Then said he unto them, Peter, James, and John, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Now Christ never Minced words, he never added anything for filler, he never said anything to the exaggeration, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little farther, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will... But as thy will, thy will be done. Twentieth century, I'm sure it has appeared in time prior to that. Twentieth century Christianity, or professing Christianity, began to look no higher to the love of God and the love of Christ and natural affections. And us considering the, the height and the de- depth and the width and the length of the love of Christ, we all stopped with this in our own hearts. This is what I feel for the ones I love. We carried it no farther to the Lamb of God. But he said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Don't know if I'll make it. Seemingly, I'm close to death. In 20th century Christianity looks at that verse and said, Here's a moment in the life of Christ when self-preservation and personal interest superseded His love for the church. And they'll tell you that in the garden, that only perfect, unselfish life 
that had ever been on the face of God's earth. The only one that had ever lived with an interest totally outside himself and everything he said and did. Now that life took on self-interest. He said, Father, let this cup pass from me. You think Christ changed in the garden? You think that that unselfish heart, you think that that love that has has reached or went beyond anything that will ever be known in life or throughout eternity. You think it took a turn there when he said, If it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. You really think it did? That the love for his bride, which would bring him from glory, to be housed in a body of flesh, to descend from that mount of the throne of God where he was adored. Seraphims, cherubims, angels. Looking with their faces covered. That place where he was worshipped, honored, adored. You think that the love that brought him from there to such a shameful humiliation where he would lay aside all that wealth and honor, be born in a stable and be born to a lower into a lower class family, all that that now he's in the garden and the pain is so great that he he lays all that aside and now the whole focus there in the gardens about him you think that really so? You believe that he's saying, "I loved you supremely, but my love's got has reached this critical point. It can't carry me any further." I've loved you dearly, but here's the ending point. My suffering's too great for you. God forbid that we bring the eternal, immense love of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit down to such human level. That we think, well, I've I've loved you from eternity, but i got to lay that aside because the weight is too great on me. God forbid. Here's the ending point. Too much. John 12. No, dear children. 
then, Lord, shall I fully know. Not till then, how much I owe. That the love of Christ would get us out of these doldrums. This selfish mode of living where it's all about me. And that his love suffers so little return from me. John twelve twenty seven. Now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No. No, no. Too great a heart. Too great a love. Shall I reach that point in the garden where I ask my Father to save me? No. For this cause came I unto this hour. John fifteen thirteen. Greater love hath no man than a man lay down his life. Greater love hath no man. John 10, no man, no man takes it from me. I lay it down of myself. You think, you think, you think it was the spikes? You think it was the whip on my back? You think it was the crown of thorns on my head? You think man took my life? I laid it down, Father, into thy hands. I commend my spirit. No man. Pilate, you can threaten all you please. You don't have any power. And that that you do have, it was given to you by my Father. You think because you're going to turn me over to the Roman soldiers that the power of the Roman government reaches beyond the power and government of my Father in heaven. No. Shall I now say, Father, save me from this hour? No, no, no. This is the very reason came I into the world. And we get a little hangnail and we start moaning and groaning and complaining to the Lord. Why me, Lord? Why this suffering, Lord? Folks, I don't like it. Not in the natural. I mean, it'd be, I'd be a liar, uh, and you'd, you would know I was, and you'd be foolish to even think that. But we rise above that. It's not about me. It's not about you personally. It's about Christ being honored. God call you away for a few brief moments every day from this old realm and world. 
into another. One of the boys was telling me, and I, he said I had it on my phone, I don't care, it's not important to me. But whatever, it tells him how many hours he spent. And he said, my time's usually about three hours a day. Now some of that's calls, I understand. He's telling me about a friend who spends over eight hours a day. They're beneficial gifts, use them wisely, children. But shut them off every now and again. Christ has done too much for you to be every waking moment consumed with life down here. I came into the world for this purpose. So when he said, Father, remove this cup, I hope I can show you that he wasn't talking about getting me out from the death of the cross. Hebrews chapter number 5. Hebrews 5, 7. By the way, that wasn't any of you eight hours on the phone. He doesn't know your times. So don't walk out of here thinking, boy, he told on me. He doesn't know you. Hebrews 5, 7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears, now remember back in Matthew 26, his soul was exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. He was crying to his father, take this cup from me, if it be thy will. You better be glad he added this in his prayer, nevertheless. When he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard. Now listen, John said, First John 5, uh, if we know that he hears us, then we also know we have the petitions that we desire of him. One thing I know... God the Father heard God the Son. And Paul said he was heard. He was heard. And if he was heard, then he received an answer. If God will do that for the weakest of his children, he'll do that for the strongest and his only begotten Son. He went a little farther and fell down on his face. His physical frame was so weak it could not carry him any further. 
And the intense pressure upon him was so great that from the pores of his skin, not sweat, but blood dripped. All due to pressure, agony, pain. And his strength diminished so greatly that he could go no farther. And he fell on his face. That you kneel to pray, or you might stand to pray, whichever. But he couldn't go any farther. Nevertheless, not my will, Father. Hebrews 5 said God heard him. And I know if God heard him, God answered him. You know what God did? God's. Well, before I tell you that, you know what God did when Paul prayed the third time for the Lord to remove that thorn from his flesh? God said, no. Can't do it. What you know, what you've seen will destroy you. Pride will rise in you till it destroys you. I can't do it. He said, but I will do this. I'll give you something greater. I'll give you grace and make it abound. And you know what the Lord, what the Father did for the Son? He said, Son, I can't take that cup from you. You've got to drink the last drop. Luke 22, and there appeared an angel unto him, strengthening him, to enable him to bring about the desire and the fulfillment of his heart. ask you to turn one last Leviticus. Now, folks, there... There are several offerings in the Old Testament that Israel the meal offering, the peace offering, the feast, three feasts a year. Here I want to read just one verse about the burnt offering, Leviticus sixteen. And the priest shall put on his linen garment, and his linen breeches shall he put upon his flesh, and take up the ashes which the fire had consumed with the burnt offering. Now, just let that sink in a minute. All that's left of the burnt offering is ashes. Everything been burned up. And you don't know why Abraham's called the father of faith. When he took that son, God said, You take the only son whom thou lovest up to this mountain, and you offer him up as a burnt sacrifice. 
You want to know why he's called the father of the faith? He said to those servants that he left down at the bottom, You stay here, I and the lad will go yonder. And he knew, he knew, won't be anything left of my son but ashes. God's going to raise him up, though. My soul, you go back to the garden and you consider that. Thy worm, Jacob, that he calls himself, squirming there in agony and pain. Mental, physical, inwardly. Under the wrath and condemnation of God and that, that burn offering being, being completely burned up until there's nothing left but ashes. You consider that. And you walk out of here halfway committed. Well, I won't take all hope away from you. God might arrest you down the road somewhere. But you consider that garden in Christ's prayer, nevertheless. Son, you got to drink it all, but I'll send an angel to strengthen you till you get the last dregs and that bitter cup down. There was that burnt offering. You think that his love changed there in that suffering, and that he was saying, Deliver me from the cross? No, no. That's why Paul can say, If any man love not the Lord Jesus, let him go to hell. Anathema, Maranatha, really soon. Because Paul knew what Christ did. He wasn't asking to get out of death from the cross. He didn't know that he'd make it to the cross. And he's afraid he'd die. When Simon the son of Jonah said, after Christ told him he had to go to the cross and suffer, and Simon, Simon said, No, no, be it far from thee. And Christ said, Get behind me, Satan. And the one that betrayed him with a kiss, Christ called him his friend. The disciple was trying to keep him from the cross. The disciple turned traitor was helping him to the cross. And he called him his friend. Get behind me, Satan. Thou savorest not the things that be of God. You're judging all this over natural, temperamental Estimation. 
that you've heard with a degree of understanding of such love I ask you which first must be asking myself shall I live my life without any dedication or consideration of the cost of his love Shall I not, on a daily basis, seek to know, honor, love, serve as much as is possible, supremely, this one that sits on the throne now? If he's on the throne, he's the king of all his children. Now in the garden his perfect humanity was on display, on his face, bleeding, praying, and enabled me to carry out the purpose for which I came. Help my father that there might be a full manifestation of my love for my people. in enduring this for her. And God said, Well, I heard you, son. Here's an angel strengthening you. And in just a few hours, he's going to be hanging on the cross. This is more serious than we think in our day. This humanistic age. When it's about me and my ease and my pleasure and God's up there for all these benefits I can receive in life. Oh, the benefits from God are rich within that the world will never know you possess. Don't walk out of here careless, children. Take heed. May God bless it to your hearts.